Dear Lord, I just ask that you'll please be with us this morning. Please send your Holy Spirit and fill us with your glory this morning. Lord, don't let it be my words that are being spoken right here. Don't let it be me that the people see, but let it be you. Translate my words to the message that everyone here needs to hear. Lord, steady my voice, steady my words, and help my memory. And thank you for all you've done, for dying on that cross, for giving us the power to live. We love you so much in your name. Amen. So Jesus is coming again soon. And I think all of us here are pretty excited about that. So I just want to go over and identify some of the factors, some of the engine noises that we are hearing today. So if you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 7. And I need to remember to use my PowerPoint. Okay. So Matthew 24 and verse 7, thanks Carl, says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. So we, if we look around at the state of the world today, we can see this happening right here today, church. In the last hundred years, we've seen two world wars. We've seen killing going from being a battle of intimacy, where we have to be up close and personal, looking your opponent in your eye, and then going to pressing a red button in one country and decimating the lives of thousands to millions in another. According to the USGS, the United States Geological Survey program, we've gone from experiencing around 2,000 earthquakes in the 19th century to experiencing over 500,000 earthquakes each year in the 21st century. Just in this last month, we've had a tsunami in Indonesia. We've had large earthquakes in Tonga, Venezuela, and the Philippines. Just this year alone, and we're not even a month in, we've had hundreds of earthquakes scaling four or below on the Richter scale, right? The world's coming into an end. Jesus is coming soon. But I could preach this whole sermon on the signs and look at improving how Jesus is coming soon. But I want to focus on a point today. Jesus is coming. What are we doing about it? What should we be doing about it? And luckily for us, we don't have to worry. We don't have to twiddle our thumbs and try and figure it out because God told us. So if you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 24, and we're going to be, same chapter that we were just in, we're going to be looking at verse 44. And it says, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So what are we supposed to do, church? We're supposed to be getting ready for his second coming. Right? And we have to do that today. Because as we read along in this, in the verse, it says he's coming at an hour we don't expect. That's the danger that we're facing today. See, We're all comfortable today. And when we're comfortable, we say we'll do it tomorrow. See, God's calling us to get ready for a work. But we say, oh, you know what? I'll do it tomorrow. 24 hours won't really hurt me that much, will it? But the thing is, is we can only ever live in today, right? Tomorrow turns into today, and then that today has its tomorrow. And tomorrow just keeps happening, and the truth is we'll never reach it. So we keep this procrastination up. If we keep prolonging what God's asking us to do, we could very well procrastinate ourselves out of heaven. So Jesus is calling us to get ready. So I've been looking through scripture and I'm trying to figure out how do we do this? Like, what is the plan? What's the steps? I like steps. I'm an organized person. I like my checklist. So I've come up with about two steps, right? I think two steps is fine. We can handle it. That's not too scary. Um, So we're going to go through them today. We're going to go on this journey of starting to get ready today because we don't want to miss out. We don't want to get caught off God when he comes. So step one 
is to surrender. And we find this in Revelation 3, verse 20. So if you turn with me to Revelation 3, verse 20. And Revelation 3, verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. So we've all heard this terminology, I believe. I think we're all familiar with someone's knocking at our door, right? But I want to dive in and understand what does this mean? So firstly, we have to be listening in order to hear him knocking. In order to be listening, we have to be interested. So let me explain what I mean by that. At some point in our life, something happened that made us stop, right? I don't know what it was. Every circumstance is different. But it led us to question, is this it? Is this all life has to offer us? Or is there a God? Isn't there a God? And it made us interested. Now, this circumstance is different for everyone. It could have been how you were raised. Or maybe there was someone in your life who had a lot of influence over you, and they had something different, and you wanted what they had. Or perhaps what made you interested, maybe it was a desperate cry in the middle of one of the battles that life throws at us. Or perhaps what made you interested was someone dying in your life. But whatever it was, it made us stop. And we paused, and we listened, and we heard a knock. Right? And that knock was Jesus. See, Jesus knocked on our door 2,000 years ago when he died on that cross. When he went and undertook the most humiliating death possible, and he took on the weight of all of our sins, and he died the second death so we wouldn't have to. And that amazing love that was demonstrated to us on that cross is knocking at our door right now, today, church. And now this is, where we, this is the part where we have to act, right? We either let God in or we don't. I recommend letting him in because when you let God in, your life takes on meaning. It takes on purpose. You have peace, happiness. You're fulfilled. So if you let him in, and please do, you have one more thing you have to do. And this is the part that I was pretty good at avoiding. This is a step that I wasn't always the most comfortable with. And it's letting God in completely. See, if you let him in to your, your heart, let's use the analogy of a house. You have to let him in to every single room. And it tells us why in Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. So Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. See, friends, just a fourth or a fifth or a quarter of us or half or whatever it is that we're willing to give God isn't enough for him. He wants all of us. And why does he want all of us? It's because he loves us and he's in love with us and because he wants to take the burden of carrying those things around from us. I, I saw a perfect illustration of this. And it was of a hand, oops, it was of a hand holding a rope. And the tighter this hand held onto this rope, the more pain it caused itself, the more damage it did. As the rope kept tightening, the hand got constricted and the blood circulation cut off and the skin broke. But as soon as that hand let go of the rope, it wasn't damaged anymore. It couldn't get hurt anymore by this rope. And I think this is what we do. We hold on to these things that are hurting us. We say... They're better for us. We don't want to let God into them because 
For some reason, we, we deceive ourselves and say, hmm, nah, my life is better when I have this in, when I have this in it, right? And I did this. I started blaming God for everything I did. Like, I think at some point, we have things that we lock God out of. For example, rooms of money, movies, TV shows, books, games, alcohol, drugs, masturbation, pornography, even relationships. These things can hurt us, right? And we lock God out of them because we think we're better off when God's not shining his light into those areas of our life. But the truth is, is that we're deceived. And sometimes it's not always the easiest pill to hear, but it's true. And when we hold on to these things, we damage ourselves. And that's what I did. I held on to these things, and I didn't let it go. I didn't want to be told what these things that I loved were wrong, right? And it got to the point where I tried taking my life because I was so hell-bent on keeping these things in my life and not surrendering them that I tried to kill myself because I couldn't handle what these things were doing to me. And I was so stubborn because I loved these things, and we do. We love what we shouldn't, and we hate what we should love. So we need to let him in, and I get it. It's a scary thing when you think about it, bearing all your cards to everyone, being completely open and vulnerable. Will this person still love me if they know everything I've done? But the truth is, is that God already knows what's behind these doors. He's already seen us do all these things. He knows what's happened, but he wants to take our burdens. God isn't anyone. We can trust him. He loves us so much. He takes the burden of carrying these things. If you're grieving, he gives you peace. If you're sad, he gives you happiness. If you have questions, he'll resolve them. If you're hurting, he takes it away. However, he can't do any of that unless we let him in. If we're hurting ourselves and we're not allowing him access, we can't blame God for the hurt we cause ourselves. So I ask, let him in church. Let him in fully, surrender it. Because when we do, life is better. So that's step one, we have to surrender. Now step two, oops. Step two is to shine. And let's turn to Mark 16 and verse 15. And in Mark 16 and verse 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, so who's them, church? If we look at the context of this verse, Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples, right? But when I'm thinking about this, I don't think he's just talking to his 12 disciples because this is a command to grow his kingdom. And if he was only giving it just to those 12, he wouldn't have a very big kingdom. So this is a command, I believe, that was for all the present and the future disciples. And church, we are the disciples. This command to go into all the world and preach to every creature, to share the good news, is as much to us as it was to them. We're being called to serve. And see, we're people, that's who we are. That's what, we're being, that's what our faith is based off. It's even written into our baptismal vows, Right? It says, I desire to be baptized as a public expression of my belief in Jesus Christ, to be accepted into the fellowship of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and to support the church and its mission as a faithful steward to my personal influence, tithes, offerings, and a life of service. Right? What mission, church? 
This is what we just read. This is the mission to grow God's kingdom. And how do we do that? We do that through a life of service. And why are we serving? It's because God first served. You see, this thing, this thing happened a few thousand years ago, and you're all familiar with it. The only reason you're here today is because you know of it, and that's Jesus died on the cross. And he came down, and he was the ultimate sacrifice. He did the ultimate service for us to give us this second chance, right? And don't you think someone else could benefit from this knowledge? Don't you think we should be sharing this? You see, when we surrender, when we let God in, there's something that happens to us, right? God's love is a transformative love. It's powerful love. It's amazing. And you start to transform, and you will begin to shine Jesus. And when we do that, people want to know what it is. You have an influence over the people you're around. And we have to use that influence, church, to grow God's kingdom. But we do this thing. We say, hmm, no, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> That's not for me. Or we say, oh, no, I'm just, I'm just a teacher. I'm just a student, just a nurse. So whatever we are, we're just this, so... No, we can't be used by God, right? Or, no, I can't do that. I'm too shy. I'm not brave. I'm not as brave as that person over there. No. Or, I'm not good at public speaking. God can't use me. I'm sorry. Or, I'm not good with kids, so that person over there. And we point fingers and we say, God can use someone else. But where's the confidence in ourselves? Where's the confidence in what God can do in us, church? Because when we say God can't use us, we limit God's power, And if anything, I'm probably one of the most underqualified people in this room because I was a suicidal, anxious, depressed teen with a crippling fear of public speaking, and yet I'm speaking here today because God decided, and he saw a potential in me, and he said, yeah, no, yeah, I can use you, even when I was over here in the corner crying, saying, no, I can't, you can't use me, no, don't come near me, that person over there does it. When we surrender, when we let him in, God does a powerful thing through us. We have to let him Or we say this, I'm too busy. Are we really too busy, church? When God asks us to do something, suddenly then we're too busy. However, we have time to watch another episode. We make time to watch a movie. We somehow have time to go out for coffee with our friends. We can make that time to catch an extra wave or to watch the sports. But as soon as God's asking us for an hour or two out of the 168 hours we have each week, we're too busy then. Okay. Right. I used to think I was too busy as well. I was, no, my time's too precious. I don't have the time to go out and study the Bible. I can't door knock for an hour. I can't help in a kid's house school. I don't have the time for that. But something that God's revealed to me, something that I've learned in the last year of doing Rise and Bible Working, is that we actually have a lot more time than we think. We just don't have a willing heart. And you see, another thing I learned is it only takes one door to be knocked on to save a soul. It only takes half an hour to an hour to share the gospel with someone. It only takes a little tiny bit of our time to give someone eternal life. So why are we so busy? We're not. We're not willing. I think we also use the excuse that I can't find someone to study with. Who will I study the Bible with? Who can I share the gospel with, right? But I can guarantee there's someone in this church today who needs the Bible studied with them, who wants to know God. 
if we are willing, if we have the courage to shine God, he brings them to us. See, I'm studying the Bible with 10 people right now, and it takes about four hours out of my week. And I didn't search for any one of those people. I preached last Friday, and I felt impressed to do an appeal for baptism. And I wasn't super keen on the idea because what if no one responded, right? And I stand up there looking like an idiot and it would just be awkward and I wasn't really comfortable with it. But I felt impressed, so I said, okay. But I said, God, if I'm doing this, you have to do something for me. And I said, five people. So I got some of my friends and I prayed for a month leading up to the sermon. And we, they weren't always long prayers. Some were just a thought going to school or work or wherever I was going. And it was along the lines of this. God, prepare those people, get them ready to accept this call. Get them to a place where they're ready for baptism. Right, it was nothing I did. It was all God. And lo and behold, those five people came and made a decision for baptism. All because, because we prayed, because we were consistent. And now those five people are shining God to other people. See, something happens when we shine God. Because seeds need sunlight to grow. And when you allow God to shine through you, you're providing the sunlight in someone else's life that will help their spiritual journey, that will help them shine, which will help other people. And I know this because it happened in my own life. I think the majority of you here would know Levi Johnson. See, Levi, I grew up with him. He was like, he's like my older brother. And he went on a journey with God a few years back. And he went on this journey and he found God. And he fell in love with him. And along the journey, Levi got a willing heart. And along the journey, Levi started shining God to me. And he had happiness and peace. And this wasn't the Levi I grew up with. And when he shone, he planted a seed into my life. And then David North passed away. And I know you all know, most of you would know David North. And during his life, he shone bright. He loved the Lord. In his death, he shone even brighter. And he reached so many people. He impacted so many people. And one of those people he impacted was my little brother. And then Zane started finding God. He went on a journey to find God. And he started shining. And he shone light into my life. And then what I realized was I didn't even know God. This whole life, my whole life, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm a Christian. People know me as the Christian girl, right? But I didn't know God. I didn't love God. And I just realized that through my brother shining life into me. And I wanted it. And he helped grow my experience. And then Joel Slade. He's just left to Adelaide, and I'm really annoyed at that. But we love him anyways. And Joel helped me realize what these people had. What was it that was missing in my life? And that was a close relationship with Jesus. And through these three people allowing themselves to shine God's glory into other people, to provide sunlight for other people's journey to grow, my life changed. See, when we allow God in, when we surrender, when we say, yeah, you can use me, when we shine for him, we affect other people and we'll never know how many people we've affected until we go home. All God is asking us to do, church, is to have a willing heart. He's asking us to love him and to show that we love him. He's asking us for everything. He's asking us for our all. 
He's asking us, can I come in? Can I take that burden from you? Can I help you? And for some reason, we interpret that as someone trying to break into our house and then we board up our doors and we say, no, 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 (laughs) you can't come in here. This is my area. You shine in there and I'll have the darkness. Life is better in the light, people. Turn with me to Matthew 25. So in Matthew 25, and we're going to start in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom of heaven prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me. And naked you did not clothe me. Sick in prison you did not visit me. Then they will also say to him, Lord, When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it for the least of these, you did not do it to me. And they will go away into everlasting punishment and the righteous into everlasting life. You see, God's calling us to act. He's calling us to a service, right? Calling yourself a Christian isn't enough. Being a once a week Adventist isn't, it's not enough either. Going to church every Sabbath isn't going to cut it. See, Jesus has called us to act, do something, spread the gospel, let people know, grow my kingdom. I want as many people in heaven with me. See, the people in this parable who didn't act, Jesus says, I don't know you. Church, does God know you? See, Elamite says in Christian services, your duty cannot be shifted upon another. No one but yourself can do your work. If you withhold your light, someone must be left in darkness through your neglect. Who are we living in the dark because we're not shining as brightly as we should be? So take that step. Wherever you are at on your journey, invite him in, surrender, open all the doors, 
Don't let there be darkness in your heart any longer. Because wherever you're at, if you're just hearing him knocking on your door for the first time, or you're trying to surrender something, or maybe it's many things, or maybe you're trying to figure out how to let your light shine, wherever you're at, God wants to help you. He wants to go on that journey with you. But in order for him to do that, we have to allow him to. So I want to challenge every one of us here today. I want to challenge you to share God with someone. Fulfill this. Get ready. Do what God's called us to do. One person, it's not that hard. Shine, Jesus. Have a willing heart and just shine. Because when we do, God brings someone to us. We have to allow ourselves to be used. Because God doesn't force himself upon us. So I want each one of us to pray this prayer this week. Lord, send someone to me who I can share the good news with. And when he does, I'm asking each one of you to have a willing heart to share the good news that's changed our life. Because I think someone else would benefit from the knowledge of a loving saviour who did everything to show how much we're worth to him, to show how much he would do for us, how much, just how much he loves us, church. Let's spread the good news. Let's bring him back sooner so we can go home. Please bow your heads with me as we pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the journey that you're willing to make to us. Lord, you've crossed everything, every boundary we put up to make it to our front door. And you're standing out in the cold and you're knocking. And you won't leave until we let you in or we die because you love us and you want a life with us, Lord. You've been pursuing us throughout creation, throughout eternity, you're pursuing us, Lord. And I ask that you'll touch each one of our hearts, Lord, that we will let you in and we'll have a willing heart to shine. Lord, I just ask that you'll just be with us. Give us the courage and the strength to share your will so that you can come home sooner. Please go with us into this week and protect us all. Keep us safe in your loving, gracious name. Amen.